0: the Redemption podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message.
1: I don't have a scripture again because see, I know it's not traditional not to have a congregational text, but sometimes I don't like to reveal the answer until I state the problem. And if I just read the text, I give you the answer. I like to keep you in suspense. I know that you sat on the edge of your seat with bated breath. I know ain't nobody ever falls asleep or gets bored during my sermon, or at least that's what I tell myself. So sometimes I don't have a congregational text because I don't want to reveal all my stuff before I'm ready to reveal all my stuff. So with that said, if you would, just bow your heads and we are going to pray. Lord, I ask that you would help me to minister this message, tailor it, make it specific and intimate to every individual under the sound of my voice. Empower, enable, and strengthen me to deliver this message as you have delivered it to me. Lord, I take no ownership or authorship or credit because I know that every good and perfect gift comes from above. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory, all the acknowledgement. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Give the Lord some praise. So a couple weeks ago, we started a sermon series that I have entitled Hashtag Goals. In part one... Of this sermon series I asked you the question what are your hashtag goals and I said when answering that question I wanted you to focus on your character goals first anybody been focusing on your character goals okay one two three yeah that's about the gist of it I need some participation I told you I wanted you to focus on your character goals First, because when we think about our goals, we have a tendency to focus on what we want to accomplish rather than who we want to become. We have a tendency to focus on what we want to attain and what we want to achieve rather than who we're meant to become. We have a tendency to prioritize doing over being. But that mentality is diametrically opposed to everything Jesus stood for. Because Jesus said, what profits a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or in other words, what does it matter what we do if what we do isn't a true reflection of who we are? What does it matter If we get the degree? What does it matter if we earn the money? What does it matter if we get the job? What does it matter if we start the business? What does it matter if we get the position? What does it matter if we get the status if we are not who we're supposed to be? You know, as a pastor, one of the most common questions that people ask me is how do I know? What God's will is for my life. I've mentioned this in a couple other sermons, so if you've heard it before, just pretend like you haven't. But people ask me all the time, "How do I know what God's will is for my life? How do I know what my calling is? How do I know if I'm called to be a pastor, or an evangelist, or a missionary, or a Sunday school teacher, or a deacon, or a nurse, or a soldier, or a musician?" or an artist, or the next YouTube sensation? How do I know that the way I'm going is the way I'm supposed to go? How do I know what school to attend? What job to take? What town to live in? How do I know when to take a chance? When to take a risk? When to step out of the boat? How do I know when to start a ministry? How do I know when to go full-time? How do I know when to establish a business? How do I know when to retire? How do I know that the way I'm going is the way I'm supposed to go? How do I know that all of this is God-ordained and not self-orchestrated? How do I know what I'm supposed to do in my present situation, in my present circumstance, in my present scenario, in my present dilemma? How do I know what I'm supposed to do in life in general? How do I know what God's will is for my life? Have you ever struggled? Trying to discern God's will. I have. There's sometimes that I don't know what God wants. I don't know what God has in mind. I don't know what He's doing. I don't know what He has planned. There's sometimes where I feel completely out of the loop, as if God didn't include me in the conversations about my own life. I have trouble discerning the will of God. But anytime I have trouble discerning the will of God, I always remember 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. For years I've went back to this verse and I want to share it with you. It says God's will is You know sometimes we search for answers and not realize that the answer we're looking for is in scripture. Sometimes we're asking pastors and counselors and parents and grandparents and, count and, and people that we trust and people that we confide in. And the answer is right in front of us. God's will is. Anybody know what God's will is? Do you know what God's will is? I'm, I'm about to tell you. You're going to leave here with no doubt. You're going to leave here with no hesitation. I'm going to tell you what God's will is. I'm going to tell you what God's will is if you're young or if you're old. I'm going to tell you what God's will is if you're educated or uneducated. I'm going to tell you what God's will is no matter where you come from, no matter what you've been through. Are you ready? Let's read it together. God's will is for you to be holy. I could drop the mic right there and walk off stage, and I've already preached. That's the most powerful point that I've ever preached in my ministry. God's will is for you to be holy. When people asked the apostle Paul what God's will was for their life, Paul said it's God's will for you to be the person you're supposed to be. Where did Paul get this principle? He learned it from Jesus. If you study Jesus' sermons, you'll notice that he didn't spend his time talking about what you're called to do. Matter of fact, the 21st century church speaks much more about what we're called to do than Jesus ever did. Truthfully, Jesus never told anyone, You're called to start a church, you're called to be a worship leader, you're called to travel and sing. You're called to be a missionary. You're called to start a soup kitchen. You're called to start a homeless shelter. Jesus never told anyone any of those things. Jesus didn't spend his time talking about what we're supposed to do. He spent his time talking about who we're supposed to be. Jesus, what is God's will? Jesus taught it's God's will for you to be righteous. It's God's will for you to be loving. It's God's will for you to be forgiving. It's God's will for you to be a peacemaker. It's God's will for you to be sexually pure. It's God's will for you to be filled with integrity. It's God's will for you to be slow to anger. It's God's will for you to be upright. It's God's will for you to be well-mannered. Jesus, Jesus's focus was never on what you're called to do, but who you're called to be. Why? Because Jesus knew That if you are who you're supposed to be, you'll naturally fulfill the purpose you're supposed to fulfill. If you're who you're supposed to be, you can breathe a sigh of relief because you will naturally accomplish what you're supposed to do. But if you're not who you're supposed to be, guess what? It doesn't matter what you do. For example... Raise your hand if you believe it's God's will for me to pastor. You better raise your hand back there, Marshall. I'm looking at you. That was a little slow. You took a little long to decide. We'll talk about that after service. Pastoring is God's will for my life. But it's not His primary will. His primary will is for me to be the person I'm supposed to be. Because if I have the do before the who, I'll still be outside the will of God. See, I could be the most successful pastor in this region. I could establish and raise a church that is the ocean to the creek. Come on, some of you got that. I could be the most successful pastor in this region. But if I'm addicted to pornography, if I'm unfaithful to my wife, if I'm mean and malicious and manipulative and abusive, if I'm greedy and selfish, I'm not in the will of God. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What I'm saying is, in the 21st century church, we desperately ask, what does God want me to do? When our first question should be, who does God want me to become? See, when we think about our hashtag goals, before we think about the do in the future, we should think about the who in the present. Because if we establish our character goals first, it will always lead to God bringing forth a major change in our circumstance this point is illustrated wonderfully by the story of Solomon Solomon had just been anointed king of Israel he had the ceremony he had the coronation he was crowned they ushered him into the palace not long after that God comes to Solomon in a dream and says ask me for anything and I'll give it to you Can you imagine God the Father looking at you and saying, Ask me for anything, and I'll give it to you. What would you ask for if God said, Ask me for anything, and I'll give it to you? Somebody yell out an answer. Hmm? Wisdom. You stole it. You stole my point. Anybody else outside of wisdom? Come on. Don't just be typical church people. What would you ask for if God said, Ask me for anything, And I'll give it to you. Money, house, huh? Be more holy. A six pack. That would take divine intervention for some people. Solomon's answer to that question really impressed God. What did Solomon ask for? He asked for wisdom, understanding, and good judgment. What I want you to notice is that Solomon asked for an improvement in his character rather than for God to change his circumstance. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Because 99.9% of people, if God said, ask me for anything and I'll give it to you, they would immediately ask for a change in their circumstance. And yet Solomon asked for God to improve his character. God was so impressed. That Solomon asked for an improvement in his character that God said in addition to what you've asked for I'm going to radically change your circumstance. Look at 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 13. Moreover I'll give you what you have not asked for both wealth and honor so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. You see When we make our character goals and becoming who we're supposed to be our number one priority, it'll always lead to God radically changing our circumstance. If I'm who I'm supposed to be, I'll have what I'm supposed to have. I'll do what I'm supposed to do. I'll end up where I'm supposed to end up. But it all hinges upon me being who I'm supposed to be. It all hinges upon me setting and accomplishing my character goals. So, the thing you need to know is when it comes to setting and accomplishing your character goals, the biggest hurdle, the biggest obstacle is always yourself. It's not your setting. It's not your situation. It's not someone else. It's not your mama or your daddy or your brother or your sister. It sure ain't Satan. Your biggest enemy doesn't carry around a pitchfork. Your biggest enemy stares back at you when you look in the mirror. It is always ourself. 99.9% of the time, we sabotage our own self-development. And most people do it in one of three ways. The first way that people tend to sabotage their own development is through self-justification. See, at times we evaluate ourselves based off those around us. Meaning we compare ourselves with others and then justify our words and actions because we feel like we're doing better than most. I I don't drink like that one, and I never had a drug problem like that one, and I'm still on my first wife unlike that one, and I can train my children unlike that one. We compare ourselves with others and justify our words and actions because we feel like we're doing better than most. And since we feel like we're doing better than most, there's no urgency to improve. And this train of thought would be okay if God judged everybody the same way. But He doesn't. The Bible says to whom much has been given, much will be required. The person that you're comparing yourself to may be judged entirely differently than you. When God judges you, He's going to judge you based off your opportunities, based off your information, based off your knowledge, based off the level that you were called to, based off what you had, based off what was around you. So it's an error for us to compare ourselves with others and then justify our words and actions because the existence of bad people or subpar people doesn't excuse us from becoming better people. Just because you can find somebody worse off doesn't excuse you from becoming who you're meant to be. See, when we're talking about character goals, it's not about how we compare with others. It's about becoming the best version of ourselves, so that we have the infrastructure to support what God wants to do in our life. There's a tower in Calgary, Canada, and it weighs 13,000 tons, but 7,000 of those tons are underground. You see, if you want to reach certain heights, you have to accomplish a lot beneath the surface. I don't know about you, but I want God to know that he can bring increase into my life because I have the infrastructure to support it. I want God to know that he can bless me and I'm not going to forget about him. I'm not going to lose my mind. I want God to know that he can promote me and I'm not going to be filled with pride or arrogance. But the only way that God is going to know that is if I'm pursuing my character goals, becoming the person that I'm meant to be and resisting the temptation to justify myself because there's somebody out there, worse. Off than I am I'm not competing with you I'm working to become the man of God that the Lord envisioned when he first formed and fashioned me so the first way that we sabotage our development is through self justification the second way people tend to do this is through self condemnation See, it's funny because some people go up and some people go down. Some people are inflated, some people are deflated. The enemy doesn't really care what side of the boat he pushes you off of so long long as he pushes you off the boat. So the second way people tend to do this is through self-condemnation. See, improving our character and becoming who we're meant to be, becoming the best version of ourselves, it's a slow fate. It's a process that's not accomplished in a day, a week, a month, a year. It's a lifetime pursuit. It took God one day, one 24-hour period, to take the children of Israel out of Egypt. But it took Him 40 years to take Egypt out of the children of Israel. Since our transformative process is often slow and gradual, in the middle of it there's a temptation to think, I'm not accomplishing anything. I'm not improving at all. I always stumble in this area. I always give in to this temptation. I always make a mess in this matter. I always speak before I think. I always revisit this place. No matter how many times I say, I'll never do that again, I always end up doing that again. I'm a failure. What's the point of even trying because I'm never going to change? One recent study said that more than 90% of what we put into our minds on a daily basis is of negative nature. What we say to ourselves, what we hear out of our environment, what we watch on TV, it's of a negative nature. And what you have to realize if you've ever battled thoughts of condemnation is that they never come from God. They always come from the enemy. And you have to overcome them. You have to resist them if you're going to realize your potential and become who you were created to be. I'm not as good as people say, but I'm not as bad as they say either. I'm not as good as I used to think I was but I'm not as bad as my flesh tries to convince me that I am you have to overcome being overly critical and condemning of yourself because this is a long journey I'm not I'm not the person I used to be but I'm still not the person that I want to be sometimes I do really good sometimes I'm astonished at how badly I do. Sometimes I pass the test. Sometimes I flunk out in a way that causes me to lose all confidence and want to throw the pen out the door and never take another test again. It's just a slow process. So here's the thing. We sabotage our development through self-justification, through self-condemnation. The third way that we tend to sabotage our own development is through self-reliance. And this is the one that I really wanted to get to. We've only been here 20 minutes. I've only been speaking 20 minutes, so i got some time. And I want you to think about this with me, okay? You want to think? Because I can't be a part of a church that don't think. That We're not the kind of church that just gets excited and leave. we got to think, okay? And I want to begin this section with asking you this question. I put it on Facebook yesterday. Are you what you do? Meaning, does your words and actions always define your person? Are you what you do? The Bible says a just man falls seven times and rises up again. Notice that that scripture does not indicate that in this process of falling and rising that the just man's person is changed or altered. A just man falls. That seems like an oxymoron. That's like dry ice. A just man falls. If he's a just man, he's not supposed to fall. A just man falls seven times and rises up again. See, if what we do is always a direct reflection of who we are, then it would stand to reason that the just man would cease to be a just man the moment he fell. If if what we do is always a direct reflection of who we are, then it would stand to reason that you would cease to be a Christian the moment you gave in to temptation. That you would cease to be a man or woman of God the moment that you indulged in the flesh. And the flip side of this coin is if we are what we do, then doing alone should be able to transform who we are. This means if you come to church a couple times a week throw a few dollars into the offering plate and say a sporadic prayer every now and then you should slowly become the person you're supposed to be. If if we are what we do then doing alone should be able to transform who we are. This means the Pharisees should have ultimately become good people. Because they prayed. They fasted. They gave. See, I want you to understand something if you don't get anything else today. Did you know that it's the trick of the enemy to try to get you to establish your identity based solely off what you do? Let me prove it to you. The first thing that the enemy said to Jesus when he was in the wilderness, the first thing that the enemy said to Jesus during Jesus' time of temptation was, if you're the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. If you're the Son of God, cast yourself off the pinnacle of the temple. If you're the Son of God, then do. Now just a few verses prior to that, God the Father spoke from heaven concerning Jesus and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And yet we see the enemy trying to shift Jesus' mentality to a place where he defines his identity based solely on what he does. Why does the enemy want to do this? The enemy knows that if you try to establish your identity based solely on what you do, then you'll work yourself to death trying to attain something that you don't have the strength to attain. The enemy knows that if you try to establish your identity based solely on what you do, That you'll never consistently know who you are because there'll always be something you do or didn't do or should have done that won't be cohesive with who you claim to be. Why does the enemy want to cause me to doubt my own identity? Because if I don't know who I am, it's easier for him to get me to act like somebody I'm not. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, think. I know you ain't shouting yet, but just keep thinking with me. Can I go a little deeper? Let me, let me go a little deeper. Have you ever come to a place where you really weren't sure who you were? You had previously labeled yourself as a pastor or a deacon or a worship leader or a good father or a good husband or a good wife or a good mother, but then something happened and it shook you and it ushered you into a place where you really weren't sure who you were. You started looking deep inside and what you've seen, it didn't really align with who you were supposed to be. Maybe you failed in some areas that caused you to question if you were ever the person you thought you were. Maybe you failed in your morality. Maybe you failed in a responsibility. Maybe you failed in an obligation. Maybe you failed in starting a ministry. Maybe you failed in starting a business. Maybe you failed when you went to chase your dreams and it caused you to question if you were ever the person you thought you were. My question is, when you find yourself in a place like this, how do you separate what's real from what's not? What's true from what isn't? What's illusion from what's reality? How do I separate who I am from what I said in that moment of anger? How do I separate, Revis, who I am from what I did in that moment of temptation? I know the church don't want to talk about this because it's an identity crisis. How do I separate who I am from my isolated failures and mistakes? How do I separate who I am from my talent and my gifts? How do I separate who I am from my occupation? How do I separate who I am from my wealth? How do I separate who I am from my achievements? The answer is, you got to find your identity in Christ. Not in your words, not in your actions, not in your behavior, not in your status, not in your talent, not in your gifts, not in your position, not in your power, not in your money, not in your net worth. you got to find your identity in Christ. So what does that even mean? Because people tell me all the time, just find your identity in Christ. I don't know what that means. How do I find it? See, knowing Christ, Reveals who you are And who you are destined to become And the greater you know Christ The more you discover yourself Think about it There is nobody throughout history That knew Christ In a deep, intimate way That was unsure about who they were The deeper you know Christ The more you discover yourself Come up here, Sean You see, it was only after Peter fully realized who Jesus was that Jesus turned around and told him who he was. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And they gave some responses. And then he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ." The Son of the Living God. Peter had an epiphany in that moment. Never before had he seen Jesus in this light, but in this moment, Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And then in response, Jesus looked at him and said, Thou art Peter. You don't get it because, see, Peter walked around for years thinking he was Simon, he walked around for years thinking he was a fisherman. He walked around for years thinking he was unstable. He walked around for years thinking he was unreliable. He walked around for years thinking he was shakeable. He walked around for years not knowing who he was. But when he seen Jesus and he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus said, I'm going to tell you something now that's going to change the rest of your life. Thou art Peter You're a rock, you're Cephas, you're unshakable, you're reliable, you're faithful, you're committed. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You walked around for years thinking you were an addict. You, stay up here, Sean, I'm not done with you. You walked around for years thinking you were a homosexual. You walked around for years thinking that you were a drunk. You walked around for years thinking you were a failure. You walked around for years thinking you were broken. You walked around for years thinking you you were damaged goods. But then you had an experience with Jesus and he told you who you were. That you are a son. That you are a daughter. That you are an overcomer. That you are more than a conqueror. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you are the head and not the tail. That you are above and not beneath. That you are blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? See, there's some people watching this right now. That they're not sure who they are. There's some people in this building and watching online that they're not sure who they are. They've said things, they've done things, and they're not sure who they are. See, they see their their failures as an extension of their identity. The enemy can quickly bring us into bondage when we see our failures as an extension of our identity. That's why the theme of our society is I was born this way. I've struggled and I've failed to the point that now I'm confused about who I am and I see what I do as an extension of my identity and I can't separate the two so I can't find who I am in Christ. See, what you got to understand is that When you come to that place where you're really not sure who you are, the closer that you get to Christ, the more the light of Christ illuminates your person. So that you can differentiate between what you did and the man you are. Between what you said and the woman you are. Because we all stumble. All fall short of the glory of God. So I need a way to reconcile what I did in that moment of passion with who my person is. Now you're going to go sit down. He said, thou art Peter. See, I'm convinced that the reason Peter survived his personal failures, the reason that Peter came back to Jesus after denying Jesus three times, is that Jesus had already told him who he was. The reason Peter didn't kill himself like Judas did is because Jesus, before all the mess... Before all the sin, before all the rebellion, Jesus said, Thou art Peter. And now you're going to do some things sometimes that don't look like Peter. You're going to say some things sometimes that don't look like Peter. But I am telling you through my authority that you are Peter. And when the enemy tries to tell you you're something else, you're somebody else, I want you to remember what I said on this mountain. You are Peter. And you're going to mess up. And you're going to blow it. And you're going to skin your knee. And you're going to deny me three times, but that don't change who you are. You're Peter. You're Peter. You're P- Look at your neighbor and tell him you're Peter. You're a rock. I know you feel unstable. I know you feel weak. I know you feel shakeable. But God just told me to tell somebody today: You're a rock. You're a rock in the middle of this storm. You're a rock in the middle of tribulation. You're a rock in your marriage. Your rock. See, I say all that to say this. When you set out to become the best version of yourself, you can't fall into the trap of relying on your own strength, your own morality, your want to, your willpower, your work ethic. You have to accomplish your character goals through investing in your relationship with Christ. And knowing Him in a greater way. Because knowing Christ allows us to discover who we are. Because there's nobody can tell me better who I am than the one who knew me while I was in my mother's womb. There's nobody who can tell me better who I am than the one who formed and fashioned and shaped me. There's nobody who can tell me better who I am than my creator. I'm not going to let my critics define me. I'm not going to let my circumstance define me. I'm not going to let my calamity define me. I'm not going to let my chaos define me. Yes, I say a lot of stuff and I do a lot of stuff and I fall and I mess up and I come short but I can bounce back. I can be resilient because He told me who I was. Because He told me who I was. So, if you're here today and you're saved I want you to have an encounter with Jesus today and just let him remind you of who you are because sometimes we get real confused sometimes the picture gets blurry sometimes we look inside and we see things that are not cohesive with who we're supposed to be who we claim to be so every now and then we got to hear the voice of Jesus say once again Doward Peter you're going to deny me You're going to blow it, but thou art Peter. Thou art Junior, a strong, faithful, committed man of God. Thou art Alex, a true worshiper. Thou art Sean, meek, and humble. You need to have that moment again where he reminds you of who you are. Because our world will try to tell us who we are. The people around us will try to tell us who we are. But we need to hear the voice of our Creator. Remind us again, this is who you are. So if you're saved, I I want you to come and have that moment with the Lord. Just let Him tell you once again, this is who you are. This is what I envisioned when I created you. This is what I envisioned when I formed you, when I fashioned you. If you're here and you're lost or you're watching online and you're lost, there's only one person, only one person who can tell you who you are. Your past can't define who you are. Your problem can't define who you are. Your addiction can't define who you are. So what I'm asking when I say come and accept the gift of salvation is I'm asking you to come and know Jesus so that you can discover yourself. Can you do that? Can you come and let Jesus introduce himself so that he can reveal who you're meant to be, who you're created to be, who you're chosen to be, If you're saved, this altar's open. If you're lost, this altar's open. We got to get this down pat because the most susceptible population of people, the ones that are at the mercy of the enemy, are those who are unsure about who they are. So let's not leave today with any doubt about who we are. Let's not leave today with any speculation about who we are and who we are meant to be. I've been acting like somebody i'm not
0: i need you to show me
1: Oh yourself. No Christ. Discover yourself. I am when I fall down I get back up cause I know who I am I don't stay there cause I know who I am I don't succumb to the attack of the enemy cause I know who I am cause God told me who I am I will rise cause I know who I am
0: I hear the voice
1: I feel like God told me the first step to revival to what He wants to do in this last hour in this last age it's not behavior modification there are way too many churches putting their time and strength into behavior modification and it never lasts it never works God told me that the step, the first step to what he's getting ready to do is to clarify who we are. To remind us of who we are. Because when we rise up and become the men and women of God that he envisioned us to be, we won't have to worry about the actions. We won't have to worry about the words because everything will flow from who we are. I'm gonna show you who you are. I'm gonna. Show, I feel the Lord saying that. I'm gonna show
0: you who you are. I'm gonna show you.
1: one more song in just a moment but two things I want you to remember from this message God's will is always who before do and knowing Christ allows you to discover who you are okay remember those two things and what we're going to do right now we're going to celebrate we're going to celebrate with all the chaos going on in the world with all the setbacks all the crisis all the conflict you know why we're going to celebrate because we know who we are And we know whose we are. And we know that we're going to come out of this thing better off than we were when we went in. And we know that we are a rock through Jesus Christ. That we will be unshakable. That we will be reliable. That we will be steadfast. That we will be committed. That we are not fly-by-night kind of people. We're not fly-by-the-seat-of-our-pants kind of people. We're not in this for the blessings. We're not in this for comfort. We know who we are. And we know whose we are. So I want to celebrate. I want to spend just a couple minutes worshiping and celebrating because even though things look bad right now, we're going to rise. We're going to overcome. We're going to conquer because we know who we are. Can you do that? Can we worship? Can you lift up the name of Jesus? Can you praise Him? Come on. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him.
2: Great is your faithfulness, oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's restless heart. You lead us past still waters into mercy. Somebody who knows who you are, praise him. And nothing can keep us apart. So rejoice.
1: free to praise him. Great that's who
2: you are. She's standing up to praise him because that's who she is. is enough for me. Great is your love and justice, God of Jacob. You use the weak to lead the strong. song of your salvation and all your people sing along Your grace is enough Your grace is enough for me Great is your love and justice, God of Jacob You use the weak to lead the strong lead us in the song of your salvation and all your people sing along so remember your people remember your children remember your promise oh God your grace is enough i
1: Are you what you do? The answer is always no. Your words, good or bad, can't define you. Your actions, good or bad, can't define you. The only person or thing with the authority to define you is your creator. And unless you have that mindset, you will never find a secure place in your identity. You will never truly know who you are. So if I achieve great things in my life, that doesn't decide who I am. If I blow it, and one day you don't want to hear the words coming out of my mouth, that doesn't define who I am. Only my Creator has the authority to tell me who I am. And when Jesus tells me who I am, try as He might, the enemy cannot make me into somebody I'm not. Now, Peter, this is who I am. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. Let everything else in your life flow from that. That's who you are. You're an overcomer. You're victorious. You're a conqueror. That's just who you are. See, you don't got to work for it. You don't got to pretend. You don't got to fake it. You don't got to fabricate it. When it's who you are, it's just who you are. It's not about works. It's not about behavior modification. It's just who I am. This is just me. Amen. Amen. If you would, bow your heads for just a moment. If there was anybody here today that was saved, would you raise your hand? Looks like everybody knows who they are. If you're going to focus more and more on your character goals and you're going to make sure that you are who you're supposed to be, raise your hand. That's God's will for your life. Don't worry about pastoring, that'll take care of itself. Don't worry about being a deacon, that'll take care of itself. Don't worry about being successful, that'll take care of itself. Just be who you're supposed to be. Just be who you're supposed to be. Sons and daughters, amen. Amen. Keep your heads bowed and we will dismiss in prayer. Thank you for coming. Such an unprecedented season and we know that it's it's difficult and it's rough, but we love having you here. And I feel like we had church today. I feel like we had church today. Lord, thank you. Thank you for telling us who we are. And just as importantly who we are not thank you Lord for speaking into us for forming and fashioning and molding us thank you Lord for making us secure that even when we say and do things that are outside of our character we can be comforted Because you told us who we are. Lord, let us flow from a place of knowing who we are. Let us work from a place of knowing who we are. Let us live from a place of knowing who we are. Because we know that your will is always who before do. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Shake somebody's hand. Tell them you love.
0: you for listening to the redemption podcast we hope you have enjoyed today's message for more great messages please subscribe on itunes or google play music and leave us a rating and review while you're there for more information please visit our facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash redemption ky